0: Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. I need a couple of usher-type people. i got two stacks of papers here. I want you all to have a Kind of a sample outline we're going to go through tonight on how to help someone come to know the Lord as their Savior. And this is somewhat of a cheat sheet that I've used for a number of years. Everybody needs a copy of this. I know there are more um, theologically robust, perhaps, uh, presentations of the gospel. I like this because it's simple. It's done by Evan Tell Ministries, and we'll kind of work our way through it tonight in just a few moments. It's great to have you here. And I wanted to know something. If in your life you've had the opportunity to lead someone to the Lord, let me see your hand. Most of you, and it's a great thing, isn't it? To be able to lead someone to Christ. If you have a Bible tonight, as we begin, let's go to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, the calling of the first disciples. We own our lives, we want in our lives to make first with us what that which was first with the Lord. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 4 says this, Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. The Lord is beginning his ministry, calling disciples to follow him. Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother. They were fishermen, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers or fishermen. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will help your marriages get along a little better. I will make you rich and famous, healthy and wise. No, we mentioned that this morning. The Lord says, follow me and I will do what? I will make you to become fishers of men. Well, that was quite an exciting recruitment strategy. Uh, They had heard of Christ, certainly, and now they're being asked to just drop their nets and follow the Lord. And they straightway, immediately, they left their nets. We're reading in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 20, and they followed him. And then going on a little farther from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John. James and John, Peter and Andrew, all in the same trade, fishermen. They were in a ship with Zebedee, their dad, their father, mending their nets, and he called them too. And immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. I have a picture in my mind of Zebedee. (laughs) As James and John answer the call to become fishers of men, He's in the boat holding the nets and wondering, will I ever see my sons again? What's going on here? And yet the first thing God wanted these folks to know as they left their trade behind and followed him is that we're not going to just, this isn't a seminar on how to be successful in life or to have your best life now. This is a a life course in how to reach folks with the message of, of the kingdom, or the grace, gospel of God. This is what you're here for. Two men were seated in the mall, and they were talking about spiritual things, one of them a Christian, one not. And as it happened, and often this happens when you're witnessing to someone, there's interruptions. And the man who was unsaved, his wife, came back, and it was time to go. And so in the middle of the discussion about Christ, the one man got up and started following his wife out to the parking lot and she was a bit confused and she asked him, so what were you guys talking about? Who was that? What were you talking about? And he looked at his wife and he says, well, we were discussing about how it's possible to know that you're on your way to heaven. And she looked at him indignantly, said, what business is that of his? That's none of his business. And he looked back at her and he said, This if you would have seen the look in his eye and heard the tone of his voice, you would have declared that was his only business in life. Follow me. Why are you following God? Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And then Acts chapter 8, this is a fast forwarding the church is now launched, right? And uh, the church is being persecuted. You would think that the church would be silenced because of the persecution. Saul, verse 3 of chapter 8 of Acts, was making havoc of the church, entering into houses, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. And so you would think the next verse would say, so they were they were quiet. They went into hiding. No. Therefore, they were scattered like they are the, even in Ukraine today. They were scattered. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word, proclaiming Christ. How are you doing in this great pursuit of approaching others with the good news of the gospel? I want to tell you something. As a pastor, I still get afraid. I'm fearful when I have an opportunity to share the gospel. I'm just going to admit it. Anybody like that? Like me? A few of you are honest. Sometimes my wife will nudge me. In fact, it happened on our last vacation. Uh, we, even though we have a pocket full of tracks and even a New Testament uh, with us, she will nudge me and say, You know, this is your chance. <laughs> you blew that. You should have handed him a track. Has that ever happened to you? My wife is a great, she works for the Holy Spirit, I think, and she nudged me many times and she'll say, You should have given, you should have said something. That was your opportunity to say something for Christ. A lot of times, To be honest, a lot of times, uh, uh, and I'll be honest about this, a lot of times it's not so much that we don't know how we were saved. I'll tell you this, it's a great thing. If you know how you got saved, to just share that with others, you don't necessarily need a a method or some kind of presentation. If you know how you got saved, you can tell others your testimony. That's always a winner. But it's often helpful to have a simple outline in your brain, even if it's an outline somewhat committed to memory, and that doesn't make you cold and informal. Rather, I think it helps you to understand that no matter what God sends your way, the gospel doesn't change. And so sooner or later, you want to move from the sec- uh, secular to the sacred, from uh, just life in general to life in Christ, because Just like the disciples, you want to make first with you what was first with Christ. Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Let's assume that I'm talking to Ron, and I know Ron because he's a part of the church. So, Ron, you want to step up here just a minute? You didn't know this was coming, did you? You'd have worn your tie tonight. So would have I. All right? And I don't want you to be a very difficult unsaved man, but I'm going to have you lose your salvation just for a minute, okay? You're just going to be up here for just a little while. Does this work? There we go. And so what I'm going to do is I I usually use three or four questions and please don't grade me. (laughs) I've committed this somewhat to memory, but I'm a little shaky on all the details. But I've learned, I I think about 30 years ago, maybe 20, uh, I just said, Lord, if you could just give me a skeletal outline. Like I mentioned, this isn't as robust as the exchange program. I I love uh, what uh, the exchange, part, we all went through, many of us went through that when they came, the Musgraves came. That's a great, theologically rich, the justice of God, the holiness of God, the graciousness of the love of God. These are wonderful concepts. And if you have time with someone to go through those concepts in a kind of a friendship way, it's a great thing. But a lot of times we don't have that much time and we meet folks, strangers here and there. And our exchange isn't uh, because we may just be passing through. They must be passing through. And so you have an opportunity to share the gospel. Often uh, we'll start with a simple little... uh, When we meet somebody, it's always great to be friendly for a while, to let them know that your heart really loves them, that you're sincere and that you really want to know them. And, And so with Ron, I would probably start with some questions about what he does. Let's say we're seated on a plane together. Not in the cockpit, but Ron was a commercial pilot. But uh, let's just say now that he's retired, I meet him somewhere and and I would chat with him a little bit, not knowing him at all. Let me just give you some heads up. And you're being very good so far, you're doing great. But uh, be friendly, be genuine, try to get to a place where there's not a lot of loud noises and distractions. If God makes that possible. Always be prepared with some tracts if you don't have opportunity to speak. But if God gives you an opportunity, a divine appointment, take some time and just let the person know that you care about them. Sometimes we as Baptists get a bad rap, right? We're just known for saying things to people where we hope they respond in such a way that we can say what we want to say. We manipulate the conversation. We get ahead of the Holy Spirit. We really want to know, let him know that we care about him. So we find a place where we can minimize distractions. And often I'll turn a TV down or whatever and just begin a conversation. Sometimes it's just a cup of coffee. Uh, if, you, if you have someone like a neighbor, let's go out for coffee sometime. But anyway, I'd just simply say after getting to know Ron a little bit about how long, by the way, does it take to become a commercial airline pilot, Ron? Uh, probably about uh, Is that working? 10 years about 10 years. That's amazing, right? Because when I was a drywall finisher, it didn't take that long. And I'm glad no drywall finishers are directing or flying planes. And we would talk a little bit about family. Tell me about your kids. How many kids do you have? Three. Three. Good kids? Oh, sure. (laughs) Peggy's over there making sure you say the right things. And so, yeah, and so I want to know about the kids and the grandkids and, and tell me, you know, what did you enjoy the most? What was the scariest moment? We could spend all night, right, talking to him about flying and flying through hurricanes or whatever he had to go through to uh, just difficult weather. I would want him, I, depending on how much time we have together, I'd want to know much about him. And then I'd kind of want to turn the corner to spiritual things. And I'm not saying everybody in America... Has a religious background. More and more, we're seeing more atheists, right? People have no context at all for Christ. But most everybody has some kind of, or at least they claim some kind of religious background. So, so I'd stop, and this is sometimes where I reverse these questions, and I'll say, Can I ask you? I mean, we've been talking for a minute here about kids and grandkids and what you did and what I did. And, and um, I just want to, if, 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 if it's okay, could I ask you a, kind of a more personal question? And you know what happens right here? It gets quiet. He wonders what I'm up to, but everybody's kind of curious. I wonder what's coming next. And I'm just going to can Can you just tell me about your church background, or maybe your spiritual background? If you don't have a church, but uh, so go ahead. Let's just pretend now, okay? I'm a member of a Baptist church. (laughs) Good. (laughs) That that kind of ends well. Then you know Christ, and I'll move on to someone else. (laughs) No, doesn't mean you're saved, right? (laughs) Remember that. You're still, see, so he's an unsaved Baptist. Uh, but I'll just, as based on, and I'll just move the discussion now gently, uh, compassionately to spiritual things. Well, just based, tell me, based on what your church taught you and what you believe, are you about, uh, are you fairly sure if your life were to end that you'd spend eternity with Christ in heaven? Or are you kind of unsure about that? I think I'm better than most people. Like maybe over 50% or right, so? Yeah, about 75%. Now, I still don't know what he believes, so I want to find out a little bit more. And so this is not necessarily theological precision. We know that all of us have an appointment, saved or lost, have an appointment with Christ. But I have found this very helpful question, and so I'll say, well, let's just, let's just uh, for sake of discussion, let's assume that your life were to end. We're on a plane, and we don't know the pilots, right? <laughs> we're on, well, let's just assume your life, because all of us have a short lifespan, span, really, relatively speaking, but you're standing before the Lord, and he were to ask you, why should I admit you into my heaven? What would you, what would you tell God if that were the question posed to you at the end of your life? I'd say, well, I've been a pretty good guy. I've mm-hmm. given money to the poor. I've volunteered for doing things around the city and town. Uh, I go to church. All right, so let me stop him. What's he depending on to get to heaven? He's depending on his goodness, right? So I don't right away try to correct. One of the things we tell folks in, in this whole idea of, of winning souls to Christ is never argue. Well, you are not a good person. <laughs> let me tell you, uh, but we want to be gracious right now because we want an opportunity not to share our opinion, but what Christ says. So I will use this verse. It's a great verse to have memorized. There's five or, five or so verses you really ought to memorize. And uh, 1 John 5:13 is one. Uh, these things were written. I often take my New Testament out, which I left up at the pulpit. I say, these things, not my opinion. This is what God said. These things were written that you might know that you have everlasting life. Ron, not my opinion. That doesn't matter. But what God says about heaven and how to get there does. W- would it be okay if we just, after all, it's, before we get to Pittsburgh, it's another hour. <laughs> You're stuck with me. <laughs> after all, you know, if God says there's a, a way to get there we know it, do you mind if I spend a, a few minutes with you just opening the word and sharing what God has to say about heaven and how to get there? Would that, would that be okay? That'd be fine. He did great. Now, they don't always say that'd be fine. Get out of here, preacher. Sometimes the door gets slammed in your face. Or they'll say, listen, and trying to put you off. I don't have time. And honestly, they might not. I'm going to an appointment. So what would you do? I, I simply do this. I say, now, I appreciate your honesty and it might be such a thing if we're in the neighborhood again, and if I know this man through, why do I, I don't need that. I got, <laughs> uh, I might say to him, uh, just listen, I'm I, I, I uh, I'm around, this is where I work, or this is where you work, it would be great if I could just come pick you up. And so, or we could meet somewhere for coffee, uh, not Dun- not Starbucks, but Duncan. We'll, we'll meet you sometime over there. And uh, let's just talk about this. Would that be all right? And instead of just letting that go, that opportunity go, you could press a little bit. Would next Tuesday be okay? (laughs) So you want to make sure that you don't let opportunities slip by. If you can press it, press it in a gracious way. And he may say no. He may be just ready to just move on and not talk to you. But you sowed a seed. You gave an opportunity for the gospel. And then the next uh, point on the sheet there, and and I'm kind of flying without my notes here, but the next point on the sheet is more about what do you do when they allow you to sit down? And I have found this. There are more people, you're often scared. Well, there's not many people in this world anymore that want to talk about God. I have found this, that when someone answers that question, yeah, it would be okay to spend a few minutes. Now, remember, you want to be gracious with your time and not spend an hour and a half. Now, If they're open to continued discussion, that's fine. But the reason I'm sharing this outline with you, it's a concise way to package the elements, the core essentials of the gospel, uh, and and it keeps you on track. And so let's say you have an opportunity to uh, sit down with this person in a place where there's not a lot of noise, there's not a lot of distractions. It's great to have uh, some tracks in your pocket. It's great to have a a Soul Winner's New Testament because you're going you're gonna to go to the Word, and you have an opportunity to sit down and, and, uh, and share the gospel. Now, I'm going to move back to the pulpit so I can use my cheat sheet, but normally what I do here is this. We're seated together, and um, we've already discussed again some of that small talk, so we have this rapport that we've developed. And I've already mentioned that it's not my opinion, so I'll take the Bible, and I'll open it. I want them to know that this is not my opinion it's it's what god says and i'll just say let's let's use ron as an example i'll say ron it's okay to use your name <laughs> ron i appreciate your honesty about not being sure you're not 100% i could tell you're not sure and you know don't be embarrassed by that most people that i meet say that they're somewhere along the way but they're not really sure they're on their way to heaven and It's just great that we have this opportunity to share what God has to say. And I'll say that the gospel really means good news. That's what it means. And the Bible is God's good news book to us. But it's also got some very troubling news. The good news is about what God did to make a bridge to heaven. The bad news is about why we are not qualified for heaven would you read a verse for me, Ron? I'm using him as an example. I could bring somebody else up right now, but I can, I can see that you're okay where you are. <laughs> um, but I, I would say, Ron, I'll, would you mind reading a verse for me? And here in this, in this presentation, there are about four or five verses and four illustrations. Once you've got those cemented in your brain, it'll help you just adapt to every situation and yet stay on track. And so I'll have him read Romans 3.23. What does that read? Now you guys know that verse, right? What does it say? For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. What I like about a simple presentation of the gospel, and I love simple things because I am a bit of a simpleton, but I, I you can use this presentation with children as well. It doesn't mean... Sally, that you're too short for heaven. It it simply means that we are disqualified on our own to to meet the standard of holiness, the glory of God. God is the one, not your neighbor, that we're comparing ourselves. And none of us, none of us qualify for a perfect place. None of us compare to a perfect. The glory of God is ultimate perfection. Are you perfect? No, I'm not, neither am I. And so you see we fall short. Now with children, I will use the, the rock illustration. I'm trying to keep an eye on the time. And I'll say, "You know, let's just imagine we're standing by the ocean. And Sally's about eight years old. And I'll say, Sally, now, could you take that rock and throw it all the way across the ocean? And she'll say, no, I can't. And I'll look at her, and I'll give her the... Now you could probably throw it farther than me, but we'd all fall short. You see, there's a standard God sets And man does not qualify. None of us qualify. All, the Bible said, have sinned. Do you know what sin is? And this is where I'm going off script a little bit. But we need to understand something. The gospel is not the gospel if it's simply an invitation to heaven. Did you follow me? The gospel is not the gospel if it's simply an invitation to heaven. We need to understand that whoever we're speaking to needs to understand that sin is the issue in salvation. Everybody wants to go to heaven. All of us do. Right? Anybody. So we have to understand why we're dis. So sin is the issue. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 says, sin is a transgression of the law. And here's where you might add a note or two to your outline. Because you want them to know that we're all dis- disqualified and secondly, the the bad news gets worse in that Romans 6.23 says what? Uh, it says, for the wages, the first part of that verse, for the wages of sin is death. So it's pretty serious. If you were to work for me for a day or two and have $100 coming your way, you'd say, where's my wage, my earnings? So the Bible is telling us we're not good people getting gooder or better. We're actually getting, the longer we live, farther and farther, we're disqualified. Even our goodness is on the front to God. The wages of our sin is death. And then I'd ask him, do you, do you understand? Do you know what sin is? And a lot of time, well, yeah, my brother, <laughs> he does a lot of those. Uh, no, what is sin? All of us have sinned. That's everyone. Sally, that's you. That's me. It's the preacher. That's everybody. We're all disqualified by our sin. And the earnings of our sin are leading us to a place of eternal separation. The wages of sin is Death. Revelation 21 and verse 8 says, all, all this catalog of sinners are appointed to die eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. Now I want to stop right here because just an invitation to the goodness of heaven alone does not uh, cause the weight of a person's sin to be very known to them. You want to stop here. Until there's growing conviction, the worst thing in the world is to have someone pray a prayer and never be convicted or convinced at all of their need for a savior, because they're not that sure they're sinners, or that the sin is a big deal. And so often, if, 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 if Romans seven seven, if sin is known by, by the commandment, by the law, that's how I knew I was a sinner, Paul said. And so you know, don't you, folks here tonight? You know some of the commandments, Exodus 20. Even without opening the Bible, you could go there with that person. But if there's still that, I'm not sure, there's no conviction at all. They just, yeah, I'm a sinner. That's one thing to admit that. But what is it it you want to see is the Holy Spirit driving in their little hearts, their hearts at whatever age, that growing conviction that I cannot on my own in any way appease or approve God myself to God. I need a Savior. And the reason I need a Savior is because I'm a sinner. So I would go just in my mind I'm thinking now of some of the commandments. What are you thinking of? You know some of them? Thou shalt have no other God before me? And I will say now, sir, let's go back to Ron. Sir, you've been a great airline pilot and perhaps your drive in life is to be successful if there's anything in our life that's more important than God we're idolaters you should have no other gods before me have you ever sir said something like oh my then you've broken one of the commandments Bible says you should not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain have you ever done that what about the littlest thing have you ever stolen anything so you could start building a case that the person beside you is a sinner And you want to do that. As uncomfortable as that is, we're not just trying to get them to pray a prayer and believe they've punched their ticket to glory. We want them to see that they need a Savior. What about looking on a woman to lust after her? And this is a convicting question, isn't it? Have you ever done that? And often the head will hang down. Well, sure. Do you know in Matthew chapter 5, the Lord equates that, that sin of lust, is equal to adultery. Now the civil penalty isn't as great, of course, for that, but in our hearts God sees it as equally sinful, the sins of the heart. So how many times do you have to steal to be a thief? How many times do you have to commit adultery to be adulterer? How many times do you have to put something else before God to be an idolater? So are you an idolater? Are you a thief? Are you a you say I've never killed anybody? <laughs> Have you ever been angry enough to say, I wish I could kill that person? In God's eyes, you've committed then that sin of murder. And so, you ask the question, so are you a sinner? Do you see yourself as a sinner? And does this concern you? Where would you go right now? If your life were to end, where would you go, knowing that, You're disqualified from a perfect place in the glory of God's perfection, knowing that the wages, the earnings of your sin is eternal separation from God. What would happen to you if you were to die right now? Now you want them to answer the question. If you see this, I guess I go to hell. Does that concern you? Not really. What should you do then? We're through the bad news part, right? And you're in your heart wanting to get to the good news. But there's this flippancy about sin. I don't, I guess all my friends will be there, so I'll be okay. Folks, let me just tell you, and this has happened to me many times, when I get to this point and there's this sense of unconcern about hell and about sin, you can't just glibly pass that over. If there's no building conviction, you can't just keep on going to the good news. I stop, and here's what I do. Well, sir, ma'am, um, could be a boy or a girl, I'll use their name. It, it concerns me that you're not concerned about the eternal condition of your soul. Could I just take a minute and pray with you that God would show you your great need for a Savior? And I will, even though their heart is hard. You know that only Christ... Can save somebody you can't? Only Christ can. We bring Christ to men, but Christ brings men to himself. Then, if there is this, often it's the sweetest thing, you see this, yes, I am concerned. I need help. I need hope. Nobody's ever told me. What's the next step? How can I be saved? Almost like the Philippians, what must I do about my condition? And that's where we turn the corner and we go to what I call the good news. And and again, I don't think I'll use a volunteer here, but the good news, it's so sweet. Well, just like the bad news got worse, let me tell you about the good news. The Bible is the book of good news. I'll go up here and grab my New Testament and I'll have them read a verse. If they're now, I want to be, be, be kind of depending on where you are and how old the child is or the person is and how well they know perhaps English. Uh, you, you, want to take, you want to make sure they understand, but you take the Bible, and, and I, I'll say, now, I want you to know that God doesn't want to leave you in your sinful condition, and there's great news in this Bible. I told you that at the beginning. Here's what God says about how you can get to heaven. Now listen carefully. I'll open the Bible to uh, Romans chapter 5, one of my favorite verses in verse 8. I said, would you read that for me? Now, often they'll st- stumble over that word commendeth. But God, what is it, commendeth, that word means he demonstrated his love for us on an old rugged cross. He manifested his love for us in that while, read it right there, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we've used two illustrations, the rock, you can't, that's distance, you can't, there's no way you can reach heaven on your own. People understand that idea. I just, I'm not good enough. I fall short. And then we use the idea of wages, the earnings. And now, and, and this is very effective and it's somewhat personal in my case. Um, we, we read the verse, Romans 5 8. And it says there that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I want you to know something, Ron. I'll go back to Ron. Uh, God didn't just die to show you how to die. Christ did something on the cross for you that you couldn't do. He paid the penalty for your sin because he was God. He alone could pay the penalty. His blood paid the penalty for your sin. He wasn't a martyr. He was dying as a sacrifice for your sin. Do you understand that? It's okay to slow down and look someone in the eye and say, do you understand what we're talking about? Philip did it with the Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> do, you, son, do, you, do you see this? And a lot of times, well, I think I do. One man died for the sin of the world, but he was God. And I said, let me illustrate that with the idea of can- Do you know of anybody with cancer? Of course, the room gets quiet. Most of us do. Do you know of anybody who has passed away in your family with cancer? Well, a lot of times they do. Or know of a friend that's died of cancer? yes. Well, in my case, and you can just use the idea, the illustration of cancer, and I would say, and I have many, many times to great effect, my wife years ago contracted cancer. Thankfully, she's fine. But when there was a moment there, we didn't understand, didn't know for sure whether uh, the treatments would help her or not. And there was a time where uh, I wished I could look to the doctor and say, Doctor, is there any way I could take her cancer cells into my body? And she somehow by transfusion takes my healthy cells and she would live and I would perhaps take whatever the result is and even if it's death, doctor, I would be willing to do that in her place. Now, I look at the person, I said, now if someone was dying of cancer and that were possible, it's not medically possible, but if it were, what would happen to the person who had cancer? She would live and then you would die. Christ did on the cross, now understand this, is that he took the thing causing your death. Do you understand this? He took the thing causing your death in his body. Your sins were given to him. He carried them and he offers you his life and his righteousness in its place. That's what it means, the great exchange. God offers you his life heaven his righteousness for your sinfulness that's what happened that's great news isn't it well a lot of times they'll go yeah that is good news and then I'll hasten on to the last point and that's uh, the point of decision or uh, you can be saved today and uh, keeping Ron's name in the in the translation here I would say now Ron just like the bad news got worse, we're separated by our sins on our way to hell, deserving hell, sinners. The good news gets better. Christ died in our place, and he offers us his life. And I want you to read a couple more verses for me, Ron, before we're done. And I'll go to a couple of my, more of my favorite verses, verses you ought to have memorized because you don't always have your Bible with you. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Can anybody quote those verses for me tonight? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I'll start you out for by through faith and that not of yourselves. Those words just rolled off your lips. But do you know someone who hasn't been in church all their life has no idea what grace and faith and saved means. So I'll just stop after we read it. And can I just tell you. Ron, um, what that word grace means. That's a church word that simply means God's gift. For by God's gift are you saved. Now, Ron, we've been talking together for the last 15 minutes, and I, what do you reckon God wants to save you from? And Ron by now has caught the idea. Well, from hell and from sin Yes, that's exactly what you're being saved from. For by God's gift, you can't earn this. You're saved from sin, death, and hell by faith. And that's where the last illustration, you've seen it many times. I've shared it here at church. And I'll sit uh, on a chair nearby if there is one. I'll just put my full weight, as he probably is as well. I said, faith is just this. It's putting your full dependence on what Jesus did. Because it's not your works that's going to save you. It's not your good family name. It's putting your full dependence, your full trust on what Jesus and Jesus did alone. Do you understand that? Yes. And often, this is an exciting moment. Often they will say, before you get to the last questions, often they will say, I want to do that. (laughs) Why are we waiting? Let's do that now. And I'll say, that's great. It's simply asking God to give to you eternal life, that you would receive it, this free gift. You can't earn it. If they have a Catholic background, I'll make sure that they know the difference between the grace that's imputed from Christ and imparted by works or thought to be imparted by works. But then I'll get to that last point and I'll say, do you know something? Uh, As we've been talking, I just want you to know something. Jeremiah 31.3 God has loved you with an everlasting love. When do you think God wants to save you? Sometime out yonder or now? He will smile and say, well, I, I reckon it's from the south. I reckon it's now. And do you think if God sent his son to die in your place, he's willing to save you now? Well, I think so. So I'll ask him this. Is there anything standing in the way of you getting saved right now? And I've had this. Well, I'd rather do this with my wife. (laughs) And I'll say if she was sitting right here, I bet she would be excited for you to get saved now although we can talk to her later. Or, and I'm just going to give you this caution. If there are a whole lot of questions come up right here, you know they're not quite ready. But um, some, well, I have this theological, and I've had this, I've had all kinds of things right at this moment where you, where you want to see them truly get saved. Uh, what about divorce in the Bible? I've been divorced. Can I go to heaven? What would you do with that? Remember, stay cross-centered. Stay cross-centered. Don't argue. Don't get distracted. This is a sweet moment. You're on sacred ground. I will just say, you know what, Ron? (laughs) Back to you. (laughs) You know what, Ron? Um, And by the way, he has not been divorced. Um, I would say, you know, that's a great question. And if you don't mind, let's come back to that in a few minutes. All right? But let's ask the Lord to be our savior. Would that be all right? So sometimes these things really matter to people, but the thing that really matters most is what? That they come to Christ. And so he he sometimes yeah, okay. Uh, and you, you need to come back to that stuff or have them write it down and bring it back up, but right now the issue is the cross and how to get saved. Is God willing? Yes, he's willing. Went now. Anything stand no. I think we're okay well then would you bow your head, and remember prayer isn't the thing that saves you, it's trusting Christ alone. Keep it clear, it's trusting Christ to save you. And so you bow your head with them and pray a prayer. I've often found, I've learned this by experience, that instead of saying, would you just ask Jesus to save you, would you just repeat in your heart, mean it, the words that I share with you. I want them... uh, not that they couldn't get saved without me as an intermediary. Certainly they're talking to the Lord, but I want them to say words with great with intent and meaning. And I just have them bow their head. Sometimes even before that, and I know it's on your sheet, I'll pray a prayer before they pray. And it's something like, Lord, thank you for Ron's attention. It's been great to have this friendship. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would make this real in the heart of Ron tonight. May he never forget the great sacrifice and the gift that you offer him in Jesus' name. I'll look, okay, Um, would you pray with me? And I'll just lead him in a prayer. That one there that you have written is fine. You want to make sure that they admit their sinfulness, confess it. They also admit that Christ is God, that he died in their place to save them from their sin. And that they're receiving a free gift, not something that they're working their way into. Lord, I now receive the free gift of eternal life that you offer. But as many as receive him, to them he gives the the gift of eternal life. Uh, So after he prays, you look at him in the eye or her. And what do you do? You rejoice because the, the angels are rejoicing, right? Rejoice with that one shake their hand and say, welcome to the family of God, and then we could spend another session on what it means to follow up on someone that's just been saved. But that's the little outline I use. Four or five verses. The four or five verses, again, would be First John 5.13. These things were written that you might know. And John, me, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, and then for assurance... I use John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, are you sure that you're saved? What if you sin? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life, not might have, you have it, who shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. No one can shake away, take away from you eternal everlasting life. It's your gift and it will always be yours if it's truly uh, uh, something you prayed for in sincerity today. Any questions? This has been fun for me. It's been a review, <laughs> review for me. Uh, some of you are still awake. Uh, tell me any questions at all about your experiences with this or how uh, something like this might hurt or help you. Uh, what do you think? Anybody at all before we pray and let you go? It's been kind of a, a family seminar tonight, but I wanted to share as a refresher course on sharing the gospel with others. What time is it? Excuse me. 39. 39? I've gone over. You had a question. Right. And yeah, that's a great question. In fact, to Jeremiah the prophet, what the Lord say? I'm sending you to people with hearts of flint and stone that will not listen, but I'm still sending you. Our responsibility is to share the gospel, and our, we're not responsible for how people respond. We can't open a heart's door. It's great when they do. And yes, you can pursue, you can continue to build a friendship. Uh, I have a good friend, Jim Cook, in Indianapolis. When he started his first church in California, he had a neighbor, and he would knock on the door, said, hey, can I share the gospel? He said, no, get out of here. <laughs> and so, what well, can I pray for you? Yeah, it's okay. And he'd come back next week, a couple of weeks. Hey, can I, no, get out of here. Can I pray for you? I still want to pray for you. I'm praying for you. And he'd keep on coming back to that neighbor. I want to pray for you. Can I pray? At least can I, can I pray for you? And so sometimes I've done that, even with folks that on door-to-door that are really hard-hearted, Hey, listen, I, I know this probably isn't the time for us to share the gospel. It seems like you're a little bit opposed to that. I understand. But could I? is there anything I can pray for your, your family about? Sometimes that softens the folks a little bit. Great question. Anybody else? Take one or two more. Yes, sir. Where's the best place, location, opportunity, most advantageous, but, uh, most frequently available to the gospel? Right where's the best venue to share the gospel i think the answer is just wherever the lord leads you we see in the bible so many different scenarios the lord by the well he was just willing to move that conversation from water to spiritual things to church actually he talked to her about her church background and so it's it could be on a plane train whatever and the the book just what the doctor ordered anybody remember the name who wrote that book all kinds of scenarios about where he shared the gospel. It's a great little little book uh, to read. And it gives your heart, warms your heart about just being ready to, to share with anybody at any time. Good question, though. I'm, I'm sure I evaded the the answer you're looking for. But anybody else with a question? I think a, a good way to end this is sometimes we think we have the thing memorized and we've got all the answers but one man said my way of sharing the gospel uh, is probably better than your way of not sharing it at all even though it's not perfect um, my way of sharing it is probably better than your way of not sharing it even though you might have the answers but all of us just need to be opening our mouth uh, speaking a word in season graciously thank you for joining us today Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.